Welcome everyone back to NFL Study Hall. Cade Chumslin in the house with you guys today, recapping week 13 in the NFL. And guys, it was one hectic week 13. I'm looking forward to diving in today. Plus, at the end of this episode, I'll give you guys an extra segment giving you my fantasy sleepers as everyone heads into the playoffs. But, but for right now, let's just dive into this week's recap. First off, the New Orleans Saints took on the Atlanta Falcons. This is Taysom Hill's third start, second against the Falcons, and he finally had a passing touchdown. New Orleans Saints won it 21-16. to Taysom Hill went 27 of 37, 232 yards and two touchdowns. The man looked pretty good throwing the ball. Alvin Kamara also had 88 yards and a touchdown. This was a really nice, complete offensive team scoring in the first, second, and third quarters. Wasn't able to get much done in the fourth quarter. Atlanta finally came down on their defense. But guys, this Saints defense is legit. Arguably the best defense in the NFC. I might give that to the LA Rams. They're right neck and neck. They're top five in every category. Top four when it comes to scoring defense. And the best when it comes to total yards allowed per game at around 288. I mean, that's ridiculous considering some of the teams they've had to play all year. This is the best team in the NFC. They've sealed them spot, themselves a spot in the playoffs. They're sitting at 10-2 and two right now. I don't really see anything stopping them at this point. You look at the rest of their schedule. Eagles, easy dub. Chiefs, that might be a problem. And honestly, maybe a precursor to the Super Bowl. You're looking at the top two teams in each, in each conference right now. Then the Vikings and the Panthers, they'll easily win those two. So at the worst, I'm seeing the Saints going 13-3, and three, right where they were last year, completely deserves it. They're on a nine-game win streak with Pittsburgh's loss. That is the longest in the NFL right now. They're doing everything right, and they might get Drew Brees back in a few weeks, which will even be more scarier. Considering Taysom Hill has led this team the way he has, and Sean Payton has beautifully coached the offensive scheme, when you get Drew Brees back, now you know you can mess with Drew Brees and Taysom Hill, switching them in the quarterback position. I would love to see more diversity in that offense. Next up, the Detroit Lions taking on the Chicago Bears. And let me just say this. The Bears done it again. 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter. And honestly, 10-point lead going into the last three minutes. And Detroit comes back and wins it. 34-30 to final score. Matthew Stafford was clutch late in this game. Detroit scores two touchdowns with less than two and a half minutes to go. I mean, look at look at Stafford, 27 of 42, 402 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. I like this Detroit Lions offense. I really do. Interim head coach wins again. I mean, Coach Daryl Bevel did an amazing job scheming the offense this week. I still think their defense is a little sketchy, uh, but I just I think it's a young defense. I don't think they have um, amazing talent on that side, but they do have talent on the offense, and they've been able to utilize it. Going over to the Chicago Bears now, I'm still confused on who the quarterback of the future is. Trubisky played a very okay game in this one, 26-34, 2-6-7, and a touchdown. 
and a costly fumble late next to their own goal line in this one. I'm not sure if he's better than Nick Foles. Nick Foles has clearly struggled all year, but maybe Nick Foles is not a starting QB. But I don't think Trubisky is the future for this team. They're sitting at 5-7. and seven. They do not have great draft position, but that's not saying you can go at least grab somebody or grab some more offensive line or something to help out Trubisky. He kind of he has the weapons. I mean, David Montgomery is an amazing running back when he's healthy. Allen Robinson has sure been fire since his trade. I like this. I like the weapons. I don't like the quarterback in Chicago. Next, going over to Tennessee, the Cleveland Browns and Tennessee Titans. A long-awaited game. Both teams coming in at 8-3, and three, looking to stay in the hunt in the AFC playoffs. And guys, this was a shocker, in my opinion. Browns win it 41-35. to 35. Okay, the score was only a six-point difference by the end of the game. But at halftime, the score was 38-7 to 7 Cleveland. Baker Mayfield throws four touchdowns in the first half. That is a Cleveland Browns franchise, or no, tied for the franchise record. And 38 points in the first half is a franchise record because Nick Chubb got in there and got a touchdown as well. This offense was lighting up the Tennessee defense in the first half. Now, they kind of toned it down a little bit when they had such a great lead and they didn't score very much in the second half. But just in the first half, guys... This was a defense that didn't look like it was stopped. Baker Mayfield went 25 of 33, 334, and four touchdowns. By far his best game he's had all year, and Nick Chubb had 80 yards and a touchdown. This was the Cleveland Browns' potential come to life, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, Baker Mayfield has a great game. Nick Chubb has a great game. That's what the potential for this Browns team can be. And you hold this... The bigger thing is their defense, holding Derrick Henry, best running back in the NFL, most yards, almost has the most touchdowns. You hold him to 15 carries and 60 yards. That's a feat beyond belief, considering it's Cleveland. All right? I love this Cleveland defense when it's on a roll. And, by the way, this was the first game in a while they've had clear weather. Cleveland has gotten some nasty weather, and when they've been playing at home, they've played some ugly, ugly games and haven't been able to score a lot. You go to sunny Nashville, Tennessee, and you put up big points just like you're supposed to. You force Derrick Henry, have less carries. You force Tannehill to throw the ball. Tannehill had to throw the ball 45 times. Ryan Tannehill is not a quarterback who throws the ball 45 times. He did all right. Okay, he did good. 389, three touchdowns and a pick. But it's just a sign of what this team does when they go down early and when Henry can't run the ball. A lot of people are asking, is Cleveland legit? In the conditions they were playing in, yes. I think they're absolutely legit. Granted, Tennessee does not have a great secondary. But Baker Mayfield overall looked like a better passer. He was staying in the pocket longer. He was going through his reads I like the decisions he's making. I like how he's protecting the ball. If Baker Mayfield can keep this up, they might even go pretty far come playoff time. Next, Cincinnati Bengals versus the Miami Dolphins. This game was in Miami. Zach was able to go to this game. He is unable to join me today. But 
This was not a pretty game for either team. Score of final score of 19 to 7. All right. This I mean Miami, you got Tua back and you only scored 19 points, four field goals granted. Jason Sanders money when it comes to field goals. But you get long drives going and you're not able to put it in the end zone. That's that's kind of sad to see considering you got Tua there. Their defense though, money. Absolutely no doubt the best part of this team. They have stayed where they're supposed to the entire year. They're second in points allowed per game. They have an amazing defense. But you're sitting at 8 and 4. You're sixth seed in the playoffs. You're probably going to make the playoffs considering their schedule is not too difficult going into the last four games. Chiefs upcoming. Okay, I'm going to probably give them a loss. But then Patriots, I think they have a chance there. Raiders for sure. And Bills, I think will be tighter than everybody thinks. So let's just say they beat the Patriots and Raiders. That's 10 and 6. That will probably make the playoffs. Your first game is more than likely going to be against a, say, Tennessee or a Buffalo and they're going to put up points. Can your offense hold up with it? I'm not sure. I need more out of Tua. I need more out of these weapons. And, I mean, I think it was Devontae Parker who got ejected in this game. Dude, that's not what you need out of this team. You need points on the board. Your offense is struggling. Play smart football. Tua hasn't turned the ball over. I'll give him that. But I need more touchdowns. Jacksonville Jaguars, Minnesota Vikings. And boy, did Minnesota almost pull it off again and giving the way a game late in this one. They're up eight with almost less than a minute left. And Jacksonville scores. They get the two-point conversion, tie ball game. They go into overtime. They're not able to do anything on their first drive. Mike Glennon throws an interception. You get close with Dalvin Cook. You score the game-winning field goal. Good for you. But honestly, second half looked Ugly for actually, I shouldn't say that. Second half looked better, that's for sure. But overall, you could just get this sense that Minnesota was not able to handle Jacksonville very well, considering it is Jacksonville. James Robinson is a phenomenal running back, an absolute stud rookie. I would put him at the best rookie running back this year. But Mike Glennon, I mean, it's Mike Glennon. You got to be able to to stop Mike Glennon, which they did pretty well, but 24 points, in my opinion, is still too much. They were down going into halftime. Thankfully, Kirk Cousins got something rolling in the second half. And I'd like to say, Justin Jefferson put up another 100-plus yard game and a touchdown. He, in my opinion, has turned out to be the best rookie wide receiver in the 2020 draft class and arguably a candidate for rookie of the year. I think it goes between Justin Jefferson, James Robinson, surprisingly, Justin Herbert, outside of these last few games, has looked fire, and then Chase Young. Those guys, for sure, one of those is going to win rookie of the year, in my opinion. Minnesota Vikings, with this win, have pulled themselves into the sixth spot with Arizona's loss, and we'll get into that later. But in my opinion, this is still not a playoff team. Their defense looks weak, and their offense is putting up decent points, but you need to put up more than 27 against the Jacksonville team before you head up against the Saints or Rams. Next up, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. 
did it again. <laughs> they lost. They're 0-12. But it's how they lost that irks, I think, everyone in the known universe. You have the lead. Let's just let's just paint this scenario. Sam Darnold looked pretty good. All right. Their running game, Ty Johnson, a second year man out of Maryland, comes in and has the best game of his career by far. He comes in and puts up 104 yards rushing and a touchdown. I'm assuming they're going to keep him because they finally have found a rushing game in New York with the uh, absence of Frank Gore. And Frank Gore, please keep Frank Gore. He's a monster and he's a veteran. But I think Ty Johnson has just got a little more explosiveness to him. All right, so Sam Darnold does good. Ty Johnson's doing good. Jameson Crowder's been doing good. You take the lead over the Las Vegas Raiders in the fourth quarter. They're at midfield, 13 seconds left. And Greg Williams rushes eight guys. Puts Henry Ruggs third one-on-one on the outside. And you're talking about he was either the fastest or second fastest man coming out of the 2020 draft class. He's a freak. Easily runs by the runs by his defender. Derek Carr puts up a beautiful ball just short of the end zone. Ruggs runs under it. Ball game for the for the New York Jets and the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders pull out the win 31 to 28. Consequently, Greg Williams was fired the next day. No conceivable reason why you rush eight guys when you have Henry Ruggs on the outside and you have the lead with 13 seconds left at midfield. You throw everybody in the end zone and block down a a Hail Mary ball game. You get your first win. Are the Jets tanking? No. I don't think the New York nature is to tank, especially if you were to tank. You would still, like... You could get this win and still be okay because the Jaguars are 1-11. So you'd, you'd still be fine. I don't think they want to tank. I think they wanted this win. I think Greg Williams is just that bad of a coach, honestly. He's not a great person. He's not a great coach. So they, they get rid of him. On the Raiders' side, this is another nail-biter that they win. And I don't—I mean, Josh Jacobs was out in this game. Let's just address this fact for a second. Josh Jacobs, I think, is way more of an important player than the Raiders even realize. Granted, Devontae Booker is a great running back, but he did not have a great game. 16 carries, 50 yards. Guarantee you, Josh Jacobs would have had a better game of some kind. Now, on the passing end, Derek Carr was able to find this guy named Darren Waller. Second-year man. He had 200 yards and two touchdowns. For a tight end, that's inconceivable. That is absolutely amazing. He was wide open, making moves. I absolutely love this guy. I'm surprised they haven't used him more this year, but he is clearly a threat in the passing game. The Raiders are now outside of the playoffs at 7-5. and five. And you look at the rest of their schedule. They've got the Colts coming up. I honestly don't see them winning that game. Chargers, yes. Dolphins, with a Dolphins secondary, I don't see them winning that game. And then Broncos, they should win. So that puts them at 9-7. and seven. And you think about who else is in the AFC picture. The Colts. The, the three guys at 5-6-7 are the Browns. Yeah, they ain't catching the Browns. Dolphins, I don't think they'll catch the Dolphins. And the Colts. 
Colts defense is spectacular, and Phillip Rivers has looked good. I don't think they'll catch them either. I think Raiders are done. 7-5, and five, you lose huge to the Falcons, and you barely beat the Jets. I don't think there's any way Raiders are bouncing back. And speaking of the Indianapolis Colts, we'll get to their game. 26-20 to 20 victory over my Houston Texans. And this was honestly a heartbreaker. You get down to the four, it was like a four or five yard line. Second and goal. Your center has a muffed snap right at Deshaun Watson's knees. He drops it. Indianapolis gets the ball. And they kneel it for the win. So as much as I hate watching this game, it was clear what the difference was between these two teams. Because defensive-wise, they both played pretty good. I was honestly shocked in how our defensive defense played, holding Indianapolis to 26. That was pretty good in my opinion. I was happy, considering we lost Roby last week. But on the offensive side of the ball, here's what the differences are, guys. Indianapolis offensive line, arguably best in the NFL. Houston's obviously, obviously and arguably worse in the NFL. This was an offensive line battle that Indianapolis won. Because pass rush-wise, I mean, we got J.J. Watt. They got DeForest Buckner. I think our pass rushes are, maybe they got us by a little bit, but not much. But offensive line-wise, they absolutely creamed us. Indianapolis had five sacks on us. We only had three. They had the fumble recovery at the end. We didn't have, they had a safety I mean, their pass rush was all over us. Deshaun Watson is really good with a clean pocket, but if not, he can't be Mr. Magic all the time. You got to give him some time. Phil Burvis had time. He played a great game. Jonathan Taylor played a great game. T.Y. Hilton played a great game. But Houston, you, <sighs> offensive line, offensive line. I know we got Lermy Tunsil. The man's been trash since he's gone to us. Most penalized player last year. Yes, he doesn't give up sacks, but still, he hasn't done what the organization hoped he'd have done. The bright side for the Houston Texans, in spite of the loss to Will Fuller, I absolutely love our wide receiver core still. You know we have Brandon Cooks. You know we have Randall Cobb. But Kiki Kuti... And Jad Hansen went off in this game, both for over 100 yards. I'm still impressed by our receiver core. I love we've got the speed. We've got the length to put it down the field. Deshaun Watson isn't throwing up bombs anymore. He's getting it to his wide receivers quick. I love our offensive playing. Offensive line, guys. It's the most important thing in the entire NFL. Rams versus Cardinals. NFC West battle that would determine a lot in this division. Rams able to pull it out with their defense. Offense honestly played pretty good. Final score 38 to 28. Big thing in this game for me was how the Rams were able to stop Kyler Murray. Yes, he had three touchdowns, but the man went 21 for 39. He barely got past 50% of his completions through a pick six in the fourth quarter. I mean, he only rushed the ball for 15 yards. The Patriots exposed it a few weeks ago, and the um, Rams exposed it this week. When Kyler Murray loses his rushing attack and he is forced to throw the ball 40 times, he just doesn't do as good. Granted, 
I think the Rams secondary is arguably the best in the league out with including Pittsburgh. I think they're, they're really good. Jalen Ramsey has been worth the trade deal they made with him. I'll admit it. But Kyler Murray, when he loses the rushing attack, fails to throw the ball correctly. Jared Goff in this, let's, let's switch to the QB. Jared Goff in this game. He threw it 47 times. I still think that's way too much for him. But he held the ball. He did not turn it over. And here's the crazy thing, guys. He threw the ball 47 times. But if you look at time of possession, the Rams had the ball for 38 minutes and the Cardinals for 21. I don't know what the stat is, but that has ha- that has to be close to the largest difference. I mean, two-thirds of the game, the ball was with the Rams, and only a third of it was with the Cardinals. Just that alone makes a massive difference in a game. No wonder the Rams were able to win with such a victory. They are now first in the NFC West with the Seahawks lost I'm about to get to. I love their defense. If Jared Goff can hold the ball correctly and keep it safe, I think they should be able to win their division. You look at their schedule, Patriots should be a win. Jets, absolutely. Seahawks and Cardinals finish the year. Now, they were able to take on the Seahawks earlier in the year and win. Seahawks are struggling as of late, so unless they get something going soon, I think that should be a win. And they already exposed the Cardinals, so that might be a win as well. So if the Rams win out at 12-4, and absolutely first in the NFC West. Easy. Now let's actually get to this Seahawks loss here. The New York Giants. The 4-7 and seven New York Giants. The Daniel Jones-less New York Giants. Going to Seattle to play Russell Wilson. To play a healthy Chris Carson to play a DK Metcalf, to play a Tyler Lockett, and they win the game 17-12 with their defense. Wow. I was absolutely shocked by how this game turned out. And let 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 me just pose someone to you. This guy named Leonard Williams for for the New York Giants, he had two and a half sacks and five hits on Russell Wilson. This man was a one-man wrecking crew, and Russell Wilson couldn't get out of the pocket fast enough. The Giants were able to absolutely smother the the Seahawks when it came to the offensive side of the ball. And on the on for the Giants' offense, I mean Wayne Gallman, 135 yards again. The man has hasn't had less than 10 fantasy points since Week Seven. Alfred Morris. I th- he's a great backup, but he was able to put it, punch it in for touchdowns. He had two touchdowns. All right, this run game absolutely smothered the Seahawks defense. The Seahawks are well on their way to becoming the worst defense in NFL history. And that's how you, they're eight and four, and it blows my mind because they have one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL and one of the worst defenses ever. It's a weird combination, and I think it'll eventually end up in their downfall, we'll see. I mean, their schedule, it's getting a little tricky coming up. The Jets, okay, that hopefully they'll figure some stuff out there. But Washington, that's going to be a rough game. The Rams, that's going to be a rough game. The 49ers, if they're all healthy, will probably be closer than a lot of people think. If the 
Seahawks go at 10 and 6, I think they'll make the playoffs. But I don't think with you saw how the Rams schedule is. I don't think the Seahawks can match the Rams schedule-wise. I'll take the Rams winning that division. Seahawks going to the playoffs, and they they need to get lucky for who they're going to play because it's going to get really, really interesting with that defense and that offense. Staying over at the NFC, the Eagles took on the Packers, and there was a lot in this game to break down, not necessarily play-wise, but just there were, there were bigger things that happened in this game. One, Aaron Rodgers had another amazing game. He threw three touchdowns. He's now the fastest guy to ever go to 400 touchdowns. Congratulations, Rodgers. But Aaron Jones had a massive game. He had that 77-yard run at the very end for a touchdown. That put his stats over 100 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams caught two of those touchdowns for over 121 yards. I would I would say DK Metcalf is an explosive guy, but he is just not putting up the numbers that Devontae Adams is. Devontae Adams, if you look at his stats per game, he's putting up more points in fantasy, more yards than any wide receiver right now. Yeah. Okay. So he's at 102 yards per game. That's most in the NFL. You look at touchdowns, he's tied for the most with Tyree Kill. And Devontae Adams has two less games than Tyree Kill. All right, he is definitely the number one guy with the Packers. And, I mean, Adam Lazard and Scatling Scantling have done amazing. Tanyan, the, the uh, tight end, has given more weapons to Aaron Rodgers. They are the number one scoring offense in the league. This is a scary, scary team. Their defense has had some struggles, but they were able to put off Philadelphia to only 16 points, only three points till late in the fourth quarter. Going over to the Eagles. It was a question in this game whether Jalen Hurts was going to play. He played two plays last week. Was he going to snap the ball this week? And in fact, he did. Comes into the fourth quarter. He throws a touchdown, his first career NFL touchdown. Following possession, the Eagles get a punt return punt return touchdown. The game becomes a seven-point game. Jalen Hurts' presence gave the Eagles something to play for. And I think and he's the, he's going to be the starter in week 14. How about that? This is the guy for the Eagles. He has the dual threat ability that Carson Wentz had but lost. And I think with a little bit of time and a better offensive line, Jalen Hurts is the future for the Philadelphia Eagles. Moving on to a game that I probably don't need to discuss too long. The New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Chargers. This this is oh my goodness I'm I'm having trouble saying the score forty five to zero in favor of the Patriots. Let's talk about two different things here. In the second half or in the fourth quarter, Cam Newton. Well, I can't even say Cam Newton was benched. Jared Stidham went into the game, put up three passes. Two of them were caught sixty one yards in a touchdown. He had a passer rating of one hundred and forty nine point three. I know it's three passes, okay? But I'm confused on whether Cam was benched or Jared Stidham was just getting reps. By this time, the Patriots were up like 35 points, okay? They were absolutely dominant. But I I think Jared Stidham 
might be a better passer than Cam Newton. Granted, Cam honestly threw the ball decently. 12 of 19, 69, and a touchdown. He rushed the ball for 48 yards and two touchdowns. He is obviously the dual threat capability. But Jarrett Stidham might, in fact, be a better pocket passer than Cam Newton, especially since the Chargers don't necessarily have a brilliant rushing attack. I would love to see the Patriots implement Jared Stidham more into this offense. They're now sitting at 6-6, six and six, two games out of a playoff spot. They've had a few wins in a row. Their defense has looked great. Cam hasn't been really turning the ball over that much. I'm curious to see if they're able to come back from the early losses they had. Going over to the Chargers, people are asking whether Anthony Lynn is the future of the Chargers. He is not. Justin Herbert is phenomenal. And when he can't get the ball going, I don't think it's necessarily on Justin Herbert anymore. I think it's the play calling. And Anthony Anthony Lynn's got to go. I'm sorry, but 3-9 and nine with a Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, and Keenan Allen, and Joey Bosa is not acceptable. All right, going over to the Sunday night football game, a closer game than I expected. Denver Broncos and Kansas City Chiefs. Broncos lose 16-22. to Only a one-possession game. Very close. You couldn't really tell if the Chiefs were just toying with the Broncos or were they actually struggling. Although, granted, Mahomes went 25-40. of That's not necessarily the best for him. I've said it kind of all year. The Broncos have a very underrated defense. Holding the Chiefs to 22 is amazing. But this game came down to QB play, and it was Patrick Mahomes versus Drew Locke. And Drew Locke, he's had his moments, but as of late, he's been turning the ball over way too much. The Denver Broncos are one of the worst three in turnovers per game. I think they actually might be the worst, okay? They're turning the ball over way too much. Drew Locke had another multiple interception game. I, I don't know if Drew Locke is the future of the Broncos. He just hasn't put up the kind of attitude and the kind of numbers I need of a future quarterback with this Broncos team. On the rushing attack, Melvin Gordon had an amazing game. I think he was a brilliant pickup. With him. Phil Blizzia has been injured, but that duo is incredible. It all comes down to the quarterback play, and I'm, I'm curious to see what they do in the offseason. Because with the turnovers Drew Locke has been putting up, I'm not sure if he's the guy. For the Chiefs, I'm not worried. Mahomes did a good game. Travis Kelsey had a great game. Here's the one thing I need them to fix. I can't force them to fix it, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has got to get healthy. But Le'Veon Bell is not the running back for these guys. He has just lost his step. He waits too long in the backfield. And by the time the hole is open, it's closed before Bell can get there. That's been his signature move all year, and people have figured it out. He's just not as quick. Le'Veon Bell, I don't think he's the poison like Antonio Brown is in Tampa Bay, but I definitely think he's a backup running back and not a starter. All right, going over to the two Monday games. Washington football team, oh my goodness. 23-17 victory over the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. This was a week for the NFC East, guys. It just was. Washington beats Pittsburgh. Giants beat Seattle. This, oh my 
goodness, it was fun to watch. It's finally good to see the NFC East do something for once in their life. It was so much fun. And the crazy thing about this game was that the Giants had already beaten Seattle. So Washington knew that they had to beat Pittsburgh to stay in the hunt for the NFC East because the Giants have beaten Washington both times they played. So Washington has to win more games to win that division. And this Pittsburgh game was absolutely massive. Washington's defense stunned Ben Roethlisberger immensely. Big Ben put up 53 passes, only 33 of them were completed, and they batted down a pass in the fourth quarter to get the pick. The most amount of yards they had rushing for one guy was 15. Now that's the absence of James Conner, but still, when has Pittsburgh been known for an all-passing team? There has to be some kind of rushing balance with the Steelers. Washington was able to take advantage of it. Alex Smith didn't turn the ball over. He played a very clean game. The rushing attack with Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick was excellent against the number, arguably, not arguably, against one of the best defenses in the league. Washington played great. This was a phenomenal all-around game. They come back from a 14-point deficit on the road. I love this Washington team. I don't know if it's able, if it's enough to beat the Giants after they come out and beat Seattle. I just, oh, they're not going to play again. So I can't tell, I can't say what they're going to go head to head, but I still think the Giants are going to be able to win that division. On the Pittsburgh Steelers side, I'm not too concerned. You look at their schedule though, it's getting rough, guys. You play Buffalo Sunday night football next week in Buffalo. That's a hard place to play. And with the way Josh Allen has been playing, I think they'll lose that game. Cincinnati, that's a win. Colts, that's another tough game with another tough defense. That might be a loss. And then you finish off with the Browns. And Baker Mayfield has looked amazing. Let's just say they lose to the Bills, Colts, and Browns. That puts them at 12-4. and four. It's going to get them into playoffs. With the way the Browns have been looking, mm, I'm not sure. Nine and three Browns, eleven and one Steelers. Steelers need to keep up the pace in order to fend off their division rivals. The other Monday football game, we are talking Josh Allen, folks. It's the Buffalo Bills versus the San Francisco 49ers. I had the Niners winning this game. I thought they were healthy. I thought Nick Mullins had been playing good, and Nick Mullins did not play good, and Josh Allen did. That was the huge difference in this game. Final score of thirty-four to twenty-four. Josh Allen. Oh, the guy's accurate. 32 of 40, 375, and four touchdowns. And you look at the weapons he has. We all know he's got Stephon Diggs. But Cole Bleasley has been outstanding this year. Gabriel Davis, the rookie at UCF, has played phenomenal. Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox, the tight end. There are more weapons in Buffalo than I think a lot of people think. I know their rushing game is not amazing. But Josh Allen with his dual threat capability is making the rushing game work. I am, I, I'm sorry, Zach, but I am loving what I'm seeing in Buffalo right now from an offensive side. I think their defense still has some struggles. But Nick Mullins for the San Francisco 49ers, he's just not making the correct throws, not making the correct reads. He's definitely not the future of the 49ers. They probably need to go get somebody. I'm not even sure if Jimmy Garoppolo is the man for them. I liked how Jimmy played in San Francisco, but he might not even be the guy with all his injuries. There are plenty of weapons. We all know that. Mostert, Wilson Jr., Ayuk, Samuel, there's there's the weapons. They need a QB. They need a leader. They're, we all know their defense has been banged up, and I can't 
blame them for that. They're kind. Of, I think their season is done with this with this loss. They need to go find a QB. Last game I've got is the Tuesday night football game. Baltimore Ravens once again playing late during the week against the Dallas Cowboys. And guys, Lamar Jackson looked pretty good. Only 12 of 17, 107 yards, two t- 107 yards, two touchdowns. He had the one pick. But this rushing attack by the Baltimore D- by the Baltimore Ravens is outstanding. They're the number one rushing attack team in the league. They have four guys who can rush the ball. Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, and Lamar Jackson are all outstanding rushing the ball. Four guys who can all put it deep. It's 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 a scary place to be. Lamar Jackson, I still think he needs to throw the ball a little bit more. You can't just have an all-rushing attack team. They put up 34 points, though, so I can't blame them. Now, it was against the Dallas Cowboys, and let's get to those guys for a second. Mike McCarthy needs to change something soon. He's been doing the same thing the same way over and over. It's the definition of insanity when something doesn't work and you keep using it. Dalton is throwing the ball 48 times. He's not that kind of guy. Ezekiel Elliott, 18 carries, 77 yards. That guy needs to rush the ball a lot more. Offensive line, I know they've kind of been hurt, but they need to step it up a lot. We already know their defense is trash, but the offense has still got the weapons in Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, C.D. Lamb, and Mike Gallup. That should be enough. Andy Dalton's a veteran. He should be playing better. So somewhere it's got to be in the coaching situation. I expect Jerry Jones to move on from Mike McCarthy. I don't think the Dallas Cowboys need to draft a QB. I still think Dak is the man, although he definitely shouldn't be paid as much as he wants. It's this just been a rough year for the Cowboys. I'm interested to see to see who they will draft. Baltimore Ravens playoff picture. They're sitting at seven and five, one game off from the last seed from the last spot in the wild card. They play the Browns next week. I honestly see the Browns winning that game. Baker Mayfield has looked really good, and their defense has been able to stuff rushing teams. Jaguars win, Giants win, Bengals win. Okay, let's just say 10-6. That might be enough, but I can't guarantee it for the Baltimore Ravens. If they beat the Browns and go 11-5, I think that will be enough. All right, guys, well, that was a crazy Week 13 recap. Now, I know we've gone... We've finished up the playoffs for fantasy, and a lot of you guys are who are in like big leagues. Like I know Zach is in a 16-player league. I'm in an 11 and 12-player leagues. Okay, you're gonna need somebody who can play the rest of the year because a lot of guys, like you guys with Saints players, or you guys with Chiefs players, once they get far enough, they're gonna start benching guys. You need somebody who's gonna be able to play late in the year. And somebody who's not already on a team. With your big leagues, you probably have a QB and a backup QB. There's 24 guys gone. Who are you going to bring in to play? I'm going to give you guys three fantasy sleepers that I think might be able to put up some points during playoff time. I'm going to give you three QBs, three running backs, and three wide receivers. Tight ends and kickers and defenses are kind of all up in the air. But these... These three positions are are what going to put up your points. Let's just talk QB. First off, I'm going to put in Jalen Hurts. Now, the Eagles don't necessarily have a great schedule coming up. But if Jalen Hurts keeps starting, 
He is an explosive player that should be able to put up 18 to 19 to 20 fantasy points if he's able to get going. Philadelphia plays the Saints next week, and that just hurts for fantasy owners if you want to play Jalen Hurts. If you have another QB, play him next week. But Jalen Hurts, last two weeks, I mean, he's an option. He's an, You only play one quarter, you put up a touchdown. That's pretty good in my opinion. Another one, Baker Mayfield. This might not necessarily be a sleeper pick because he might be in a lot of leagues, but in some of my leagues, we have just not trusted Baker Mayfield, but I'm saying give him a go. Four touchdowns in one half against the Tennessee Titans is pretty darn good, if you ask me. He's been getting better and better protecting the ball, and now that Nick Chubb is back, Chubb's been getting a lot of reps, which means Baker Mayfield's been getting better. I love the decisions he's making. If you have him, if, unless you got like somebody outstanding to play, I put Baker Mayfield in because he's just that good. Last up, I got Drew Brees. This man's been on IR for quite a few weeks, but if he's to come in, I know he's going to want to play. He's not going to start next week. Maybe the week after that, but I'd say you'd see him for the last two weeks of the season. And those last two weeks are the Minnesota Vikings and the Carolina Panthers. And you can be assured that the Saints are going to do whatever it takes to beat the darn Minnesota Vikings who have haunted them every year in the playoffs. If Drew Brees starts, he's going to put up points. He's got the weapons. I like how he's playing. I still think he's a great fantasy option. Pick him up now. That way you can play him later when you got somebody else benched. Going over to the running back side. J.D. McKissick from the Washington football team. I know he's splitting time with Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber is not a number one running back. McKissick is. And with the absence of Antonio Gibson, McKissick will be getting all the reps for the Washington football team. I don't see Alex Smith throwing the ball 50 plus times. So expect McKissick to get a lot of reps. He's still an explosive player. And will put the ball in the end zone when you need him to. Pick him up, play him, unless you got three other crazy running backs. But he, if you got a big enough league, he will be a decent option for you. Next, next Melvin Gordon III. In the absence of Philip Lindsay, this guy is going to be getting a lot of reps. Again, not necessarily a huge sleeper pick, but I do know teams that have been benching him. Melvin Gordon just put up 131 yards last week and no touchdowns. That's just 13 points on your own against the Kansas City Chiefs. You put him with some easier teams, I expect him to do some good. J.K. Dobbins. Now, I just said they've got four guys rushing the ball. The Ravens do. But Dobbins has always, kind of just each week, he's been he's gotten around 10-11 carries, but he's gotten explosive plays after explosive plays, putting it in the end zone. He just had a touchdown last week on Tuesday. I like what he's doing. He might not get a ton of reps, not why, and that's why I don't necessarily say play him. But if need be, the Ravens are definitely going to play hard the rest of the year. Put him in late if you're in the championship or if you're in the playoffs. Wide receiver position. This is not biased. Kiki Kuti from the Houston Texans has played outstanding in the absence of Will Fuller. He has now become the deep ball guy, and Deshaun Watson is seeing him. He's got great hands, great speed. I, Man, I really like this guy. And I think he's putting, ever since Will Fuller's gone down, he's gotten, he, I mean, he had eight catches last week. He's done really, really well. Put him in 
if you see a hole in your wide receiver position. Up next, Cole Beasley with the Buffalo Bills. He's been hit or miss all year. Stephon Diggs is definitely the number one guy there. But when you put when someone else puts their best cornerback on Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley is going to be open. Josh Allen has been spreading the ball around great. Beasley had a career game last week. I think he's really good, and I think you might want to start him early, later in this year. Last up, I've got Marvin Jones Jr. If you notice, the trend has been when a guy comes out, bring this guy in. In this case, Kenny Galladay's been out. Marvin Jones Jr. has done better. Last year, he was tied, or he had top, I think it was 10 touchdowns by any wide receiver. I mean, Jones Jr. is still a huge threat for the Detroit Lions offense. Your run game's been hurting. Matthew Stafford's been throwing the ball more. Kenny Galladay's out. Marvin Jones Jr. is a perfect pick if you're in a 12 or 14 player league and you need a desperate wide receiver. Marvin Jones Jr. is your man. All right, guys. Well, that was an exciting time. Thanks for hanging out with me on this Thursday afternoon. We do indeed have a night game tonight, and it is a really, really kind of important matchup, honestly. It's the Patriots versus the Rams in LA. This is a rerun of Super Bowl, I believe it was 52. I mean, or 53. Maybe it was 53. I'm losing my Super Bowls. It was 53. That's right. Super Bowl 53. Patriots able to pull out in a low-scoring game, 13-3. to I do not see that in this game. Jared Goff has been protecting the ball better. They've got a run attack. The Rams' defense is outstanding. I want, I'm want. i interested to see how they attack Cam Newton's rushing game because this is a Patriots team without Tom Brady. Rams are going to be seeing something different. Final score for this one for me. I'm going to have Rams winning. I love their defense. I love their secondary. Jared Goff, protect the ball. Keep it on the ground. What When I mean, I think their run game will be more of a factor in this game than their passing game. I will take the Rams in this one. We'll say 24-17. to 17. Close game. I love both these defenses. But whew, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald going against Cam Newton, it's no question who's winning this game. Give me the Rams. 24 17, go 9-4, and four, kicking the... I think this will kick the Patriots out of the playoffs. And the Rams one step further to winning the NFC West. Well, guys, we'll hook you up later in this week with our four, Week 14 predictions. Hopefully, Zach can join me. But otherwise, everyone stay safe. If you're traveling, definitely stay safe. And we'll catch you all later. Peace out. <laughs>